So welcome back to a kind of special edition of Jones Take on the Chosen. This is a little different than anything we've done because it is not live. You are listening to or watching a recording. I wanted to talk about the Christmas episode, The Messengers, and I didn't want to go too far, too long without talking about it since it's the Christmas episode. And just with scheduling, it was going to be very difficult to find a time to do it live. So it's recorded, which means a couple different things. Number one, I'm not hearing your questions and comments in real time. You know, I'm not getting comments on the YouTube in the YouTube chat. And it's also a lot harder. I think it's a lot harder to record um, record this without an audience, so to speak, because um, I'm a lot harder on myself. This is the third time I've started. Uh, <laughs> I keep restarting because, you know, when you're you're talking live to someone, you're not I don't know, you're not as hard on yourself maybe, and you don't, you know it's not gonna be perfect because it's live. And if I made a mistake, I couldn't restart because everyone's watching it live. So this is a little different, but again, I didn't wanna go, let too much time pass before we talked about the episode. And it is, as Dallas told us, in the canon. You know, that's the way he, he kind of, um, he described it. This isn't just some random episode, it is part of the chosen canon now, so. I am going to limit my comments to the actual episode, The Messengers, rather than the entire um, production, the entire Christmas special. So if you saw it in the theaters or if you saw it on the app this past weekend, you know you know that the episode was just a small, small part of the entire Christmas special. And I heard from some people that were upset. They didn't feel like they knew that going in, that they went to the theater thinking they were just gonna see the episode. But I mean, I. I think Dallas did a good job talking about it and explaining it and advertising it. So if you follow The Chosen on any social media, I, I don't think he ever promised a two hour episode. Um, and I think they made it very clear in the advertising, maybe not in the trailer because the trailer was just for the episode. But if you saw the Christmas special last year, this year's was very similar. It was bigger, it was longer. But last year, the Christmas special was the same in that it was um, a collection of, of Christian artists you know, praising, doing Christmas songs, some prayer, some spoken word. And um, this year we had a little bit more testimony and we had more artists, I believe. I didn't count both years, but so it was bigger this year, but it was very similar to last year. So last year we didn't get a new chosen episode. We got the shepherd. He showed the shepherd, which was his very first kind of foray into this. You know, this, the shepherd is what he did for his church, lower budget, and he just re kind of re-aired it last year for the Christmas episode. So this year we got a new episode, which was a surprise to everybody. And I'm going to limit my comments. Rather than talking about the whole production, I'm going to limit my comments to just the episode. So we start the episode. I love that, first of all, just to kind of say, I thought I knew going in what this episode was going to be about, watching the trailer, um, I don't know if you all had the same um, experience, but when I watched the trailer, I was like, oh, it's going to be about Mary telling Luke about the, you know, the, the infancy narratives. It's about Mary telling her story to Luke and Luke writing it down for his gospel. And I love the fact that that wasn't what the show was actually, the episode was actually about. I loved that the, the I mean, the AD 48, right? So the 48 storyline versus, you know, the... Um, 4BC storyline, I think is what we all thought, right? We all we all could tell it was gonna be about 
Jesus being born. But the AD 48 storyline, I love that it wasn't what I was expecting it to be. Dallas is always good with that twist. You know, the beginning of it was exactly what we're used to, right? I'm thrown into this scene. I don't know who this is. I don't know what's happening. You just got to watch it, right? And so I love that this episode stuck to that, what we've begun to really love about The Chosen. Who's this? What's happening, right? Um, but really, who was that? <laughs> um, at the very beginning, I mean, I know, obviously, it was somebody bringing Mary Magdalene to to visit Mary and I love that twist right we didn't know that for for quite a while into the episode who was in the wagon but I honestly want to know who this guy was because I couldn't catch his name and I watched it several times I'm mean, that I didn't watch the whole episode several times but I kept rewinding it to try to catch his name so if you know who that was dropping Mary Magdalene off I would love to know um I'm looking forward to maybe Dallas giving us some behind the scenes but um, anyway, I loved this storyline. I loved that, you know, the fish. So if you're familiar with the persecutions of the early church, the fish became a symbol based on, you know, um, the fish with the it, Jesus Christ, son of God, savior, right? That's the initials spell out the Greek word for fish. So they would trace half the fish. And then if a Christian recognized that, they would trace the other half. And that's how they would recognize each other. I love that little tidbit that they included. I love that he just simply called it the way. Um, we see that like in Acts, Acts 9-2, Christianity was known as the way. So it was very, um, I think, very authentic to the early church. I did wonder why does Mary Magdalene have to hide, but Lazarus doesn't? Unless Lazarus was like not known as, La but I mean, Lazarus would have been like the most famous person in the early church. We don't think about that, but think about Lazarus walking around after the resurrection and people are like, hey, that's the guy that was raised from the dead. <laughs> Um, so I love that Lazarus was in it. I hope we see more of Lazarus next season. I think we will. Dallas hinted at one point that there was a character in the trailer that we will see in the next season. And I at first thought he was talking about Luke. And I was like, no, we're not supposed to see Luke. Luke was a convert probably after, after um, the resurrection. So we shouldn't meet Luke already. But I think he was talking about Lazarus. So of course we're going to meet Lazarus, right? So... I, I hope we see Lazarus more. So if you didn't catch it, the guy was dropping Mary Magdalene off to visit Mother Mary, and Mother Mary was staying with Lazarus. So I just wonder, why does Mary have to hide and not Lazarus? Um, unless it was because she was traveling alone with a man. I don't know. I, I, I throw those, those, those questions out. You know, if Mary Magdalene's well-known, which she probably would have been, obviously. You know, Luke recognizes her right away, Mary of Magdala. But if... if um, you know, why is Lazarus able to, to live without, I don't know, being persecuted? I also wonder why Mother Mary's with Lazarus and not with John. So tradition is that, you know, Christ gives Mary to John at the foot of the cross and John takes her into his home and she goes and lives with him in Ephesus. So that was a twist I wasn't expecting as well, that Mary was with Lazarus and not John. But again, I love that we are surprised by Mary Magdalene. I really think the two scenes with Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene were the best of the episode. I think they were just superior. And those were the favorite, my favorite parts of the episode. I love hearing about the growth of the church, the martyrdom, like recognizing that Acts of the Apostles, you know, we read it as if Acts of the Apostles took place over like a year instead of the fact that like the Council of Jerusalem wasn't for many years after the resurrection in Acts 15. And um, I just like... I. I love this glimpse into the early church. Did you notice 
um, we hear the name Peter for the first time. So my aunt actually pointed that out to me. I didn't catch it. And I think partly because when I talk about Simon, especially in these, in my podcast, when I talk about Simon, I'm always accidentally calling him Peter, even though his name's not Peter yet. In, his, in my mind, he's Peter. And so I didn't catch it, but my aunt caught it and I heard it the second time that, uh, you know, we hear him, him refer to as Peter for the first time, which was great. Um, Andrew in Greece, that's authentic, right? That's, that's very accurate. Um, Andrew was martyred in, in Patras, which is the third largest city in Greece. So the fact that Andrew's in Greece, that makes total sense. Um, I love Mary's concern for our boys. I really see that Mary in this episode is depicted as the mother of the church, right? She's an intercessor. She's interceding for them. She's really depicted as this mother of the church. This was such a Marian episode. Now I have my problems with it and I will get into those, but I want to you know, really focus on the fact that this was such a Marian episode and it was, I think some of it was so beautiful and so Catholic, although I don't, I, you know, I, I don't want to say that and like scare people away, but there was so much in this episode, I think, that was so Catholic. And I think we as Catholics, because Joan's Take on the Chosen is all about viewing the chosen from a Catholic point of view, I think we have to celebrate this and we have to, I have to congratulate Dallas on just how beautifully he treated and he continues to treat, right? The Blessed Mother. Um, you know, he, she says to Mary Magdalene, I didn't tell Luke everything. First of all, I love that they're acknowledging this tradition that Luke gets the infancy narrative account from Mary. So that's been tradition. That's the, the thought that he knows all these things because he spoke to Mary and it's, it's actually really neat when you read Luke's gospel, the Greek itself, it changes it Luke from the prologue, the beginning of Luke 1. Um, the rest of Luke 1 after the prologue and Luke 2 are, are written in a different way. And part of it is his connection to the Old Testament, right? He's, he's speaking as if these are Old Testament stories. Why? Because this is a continuation of the Old Testament story. But it's also indicative that he received these stories from a firsthand account. And so when he's writing in the Greek, he's actually translating, in some parts, he's translating Hebrew idioms straight from Hebrew into Greek. And so the Greek reads differently because he has received this from a Hebrew source directly, Mary, right? So I love that they acknowledge that, right, this idea. But, you know, when she says in the trailer and then in the episode, I didn't tell him everything, I assumed it was the infancy narrative, right? That, that's why I assume the whole episode was going to be about Mary telling the story to Luke about about um, the birth of Christ. But I love that it was the Magnificat, and um, I wasn't I didn't see that twist coming, and I love that focus on that first, you know, really first proclamation of the gospel, that first um, that first prayer of praise in the New Testament. I mean, it's it's a gorgeous prayer. We should be praying it every day. And it's a prayer of praise to our Lord. It's a prayer of humility. It's a richly Old Testament prayer. And so I love that the whole episode was focused on this Magnificat. I don't know why she wouldn't have told Joseph, and that kind of bothered me, and we'll get into that in a second. But I love that, uh, that the Magnificat was really the focus of this, of this um, episode. I love the swaddling clothes, right? So we see both the swaddling clothes in the in the 4 BC part and then the 48 when she gives them to the Mary. So the, the beauty of the swaddling clothes is that they would wrap, you know, they talked in the episode about wrapping the newborn lambs. Obviously Jesus is the lamb of God. 
you know, we could go into the whole lamb. The lamb imagery in Jesus's life is incredible, right? You should all read Jesus and the Jewish roots of the Eucharist. You should, you know, really delve into this idea of Jesus being the lamb of God. And what does that mean? What does that mean for Passover? You know, I, I always wonder why non-Catholics don't realize that you have to eat the flesh of the lamb, right? So, I mean, there's a lot with the lamb imagery, but here in Bethlehem, one really neat thing to pull out is you know, yes, the swaddling clothes were, you know, used to wrap these lambs, these newborn lambs, but the newborn lambs that were being born, right? Shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks at night. Why? Because it was lambing season, because the lambs were being born. The lambs that were being born in the fields around this cave where, where Jesus was born were not just any old lambs. They were special lambs. They were lambs being raised, being born, being raised for sacrifice in the temple. That's what the shepherds outside Jerusalem in the hill country of Bethlehem, right? In the hills of Bethlehem, why were they raising sheep? They were raising sheep to sacrifice them in the temple. So that was the, the lambing season that was happening when Jesus was born. So there's a ton of awesome imagery there. The, the swaddling clothes also being prefigurements of the shroud that church fathers saw. And that he'd be wrapped in swaddling clothes as a baby and then wrapped in the shroud as an adult. Um, so there's a lot with the swaddling clothes I love, obviously. That's a, a tender thing for all of us to think about and to think that Mary kept them. You know, even if non-Catholics don't realize this in the scene, I, I went with a friend and we both afterwards were like, relics. I mean, this is why we have some of the relics we have. And people will say, oh, you know, 2,000 years later, why do you think you still have the wood of the manger, right? So the wood of the feeding trough, which it could have been wood, it could have been stone, right? But there is wood in Rome that came from Bethlehem that Christians believe is wood that at some point was the cradle of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, why would we have that 2,000 years ago? Well, maybe Mary kept it, right? Maybe Mary wanted to keep these things. And so it makes sense for a mother to keep these things. And maybe that's why we have... Like these things were dear to Mary and they would have been dear to the early church. So I love that she kept the swaddling clothes and passed them on. That's, you know, people even say like, how do we know where Jesus was born? You know, there's this spot in Bethlehem. How do we know it's the spot? Well, wouldn't people remember it? Wouldn't Mary remember it? Wouldn't that be passed on that this is where God was born? Like these aren't just stories. These are stories that happened in history and then were handed down by people. And so, you know, why do we know where the Declaration of Independence was, was signed, right? That was 250 years ago. How do we know where the De Declaration of Independence was signed? Well, maybe because people remember it and people pass it on and we preserve that spot. Well, you know, when Constantine went to go build churches in the Holy Land, when Helen, his mother, built churches in the Holy Land, we're 300 years removed from the time these things actually happened. Don't you think people remembered where they happened? Don't you think Mary said, that's the cave where I gave birth? And people would pass that on and then they would build churches and shrines. And anyway, so I loved the swaddling clothes. I love that she kept them. Okay, so there's a lot I love about the episode. There's some things I don't love. And anybody who knows me and anybody who's heard my rants, anybody who's heard me talk about St. Joseph, I have a talk on my website. I think it's on my website. I should have made sure before I said this, but I think I have a talk on my website about St. Joseph. If you go to joanmwatson.com slash media, I have a bunch of talks and I believe my Joseph one's up there. Um, I love St. Joseph. I have grown um, remarkably fond of St. Joseph, especially in this last year of St. Joseph. 
And I just, I have to say, I did not like the way Joseph was portrayed. You know, I didn't like, you know, he wouldn't let her walk when she wanted to walk. He seemed annoyed by her. He forgot to help her down off the donkey. You know, that first conversation on the road. I know what they're trying to portray. They're trying to portray this, you know, difficult situation, this awkward, but they're just like really awkward with each other. He treats her kind of like a child. And, you know, she's like, you had a choice. And he's like, I don't believe I did. And I don't know whether that was supposed to be funny. It just, I think... I, their relationship didn't seem like one of love. It felt very much like he's protecting her, he's sheltering her, he's like this old guardian. I don't know, I just, I didn't like their relationship. And I, I thought Joseph was kind of portrayed as clumsy. You know, I mean, Nazareth was a really small town, so it's not like Joseph and Mary didn't know each other. It's not like Joseph got this dream and he's like, oh, this, this woman I'm betrothed to, now I actually have to marry her. and. I mean, there's that whole misconception about betrothal. Like, they, she wasn't an unmarried woman. She was betrothed to him, which in the eyes of the Jewish law was that they were married, even if they weren't living together yet. They loved each other. And I think so often we miss the opportunity to speak about the love of Mary and Joseph because we picture Joseph as an old man or because they, they didn't have sexual relations. We're like, oh, well, they must have just been like, you know, a caretaker and a, a, a young girl. And... I just I can't believe that that's their relationship because I think that limits our understanding of marital love and I think that limits our understanding of Joseph and I think that limits our understanding of the sacrifice that Joseph took on when he agreed to to love Mary chastely. He loved Mary and Mary loved him and um, that was kind of my that was my least favorite part of the episode. Um, you know Joseph's clumsy. And I'm okay with depicting the realness of the situation, you know, the inconvenience. It was not an easy time, but I think there could have been more done. And, you know, after she gives birth, there is that really tender moment where they, t they thankfully say, I love you, right? Um, and they say, I love you, and there's this tender moment between them. But um, I, I feel like on the whole, Joseph comes off as a bit of an oaf. Um, you know, he's looking at the, the angels, when Mary's like in pain, which we'll get to that, uh, he's looking at the angels, and I know that's a reference to the shepherd, right? So when he looks out over the the you know over Bethlehem, over the the hills, he sees all those lights. And if you haven't seen the shepherd, that's a reference. That's a callback to the shepherd, um, the the first the first Christmas episode. But it just came off as strange. Um, you know, Mary's like Jesus needs a place to sleep, and he's like, huh? <laughs> what? Like what is happening? Um, he, you know, so it just, I think Joseph comes off as odd and I don't think that's the actor's fault. I think it was the direction. Um, although I do think there was a marked difference between the Mary and Joseph and Mary, Mary Magdalene. I just, I think those scenes, they were just, they were different. Um, so, you know, I think the, the big focus of a lot of Catholic commentary is going to be on Mary's pain and, um, the way the birth was handled. I did love the way they inter they they put the Magnificat over the birth. I think that kind of softened it. Um, Jesus was remarkably clean, wasn't he? I thought, well, there you go. There's the virgin birth. Jesus is really clean. Um, you know, Mary's water breaking, Mary having pains. We don't know what the virgin birth was like, and we know it was a virgin birth. We know she remains a virgin before, during, and after childbirth, but we don't know anything else. And I've talked about this in previous episodes. I believe it's season two, episode three. We talked about it at length. 
So if you haven't listened to Joan's take on The Chosen for season two, episode three, I, you know, I said what I would say here, I said there. Um, we don't know what a virgin birth looks like. We don't know if she had pain. The church has not formally declared that, whether she did or she did not. Many of the church fathers will say her pains were not at childbirth, but were when she gave birth to the church at the foot of the cross. She definitely had her share of suffering and pain throughout this life. Did her birth look like any other birth? No, it was a virgin birth. Um, some of the church fathers talk about, you know, Jesus passing through like light passes through a window, but they weren't there and they're not infallible. And the scriptures don't speak about her having pain or her not having pain. You know, in, um, in Genesis, Eve is punished and um, she's told her pain will increase. Her child pain and childbirth will increase. Mary didn't suffer from the pain of, of sin. And so did she not suffer that punishment for sin? So it's one of these theological questions that we don't know, um, you know, and rather than get hung up about that, I want to focus instead on the gratitude that Mary played such an enormous role in this, in this episode. And during this Christmas season, um, as we approach this Christmas season, we're in Advent now, but some of you may be listening to this at Christmas, just to unite ourselves to the Blessed Mother and to unite ourselves to the suffering of the Blessed Mother because she suffered, whether she suffered physical pain while delivering that baby, we don't know. But she definitely suffered on a donkey. She suffered the inconvenience of traveling to Bethlehem and she definitely suffered at the foot of the cross. So let us unite um, our prayers with the prayers of the Blessed Mother. Let us pray for the church as she prayed for the church, for all those in the church. And I hope that you all have a wonderful Christmas in a few weeks because I think rather than focusing, you know, if you choose, if you haven't watched the episode and you choose to watch it, I just ask that people, you know, focus on the beauty of that story. And there's a lot, you know, there's also this thing with the innkeeper. I think innkeepers in Bethlehem get a bad rap. Um, I think actually the cave would have been a private place for her to give birth and Perhaps the innkeepers were trying to help the Holy Family out in giving them privacy in an otherwise public inn or home. Um, but I guess that's my takeaway from the episode. I would rather concentrate on the beautiful things that they did well and, you know, admit I would have done Joseph differently. And I think Joseph would have, we should have been portrayed differently. Um, but there's, a, you know, there's several things that we, I've disagreed with in the past with the way Dallas has chosen and it's his show, right? So let's focus on the beauty of, of Mary and the beauty of the story and the great awe and the majesty that God became man. God became a baby. God was born in the stable for you and for me because he loves me and he loves you and he wants us to have, to have peace with him someday in heaven. So he, opens, he come, becomes man to open the gates of heaven for us. And so let us accept that gift and let us share that gift with others because the episode's right. People must know, right? People must know the story. They must know that they have a savior and may they respond to that savior the way that Mary responded in humility and in love and in trust and in acceptance. So God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in. And I look forward to season three when we'll do these live again, but cause I would love to hear your questions and your comments, but 
As always, you can follow me on Instagram, joan.m.watson. So if you have comments, throw them over on Instagram. You can find me on my website, joanmwatson.com. You can sign up for my newsletter there on joanmwatson.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode. Throw them in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. And until season three, I will see you later. God bless.